The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. I'm Arjun. I'm Adam. Yes, it's a early July miracle. We've got Adam back. Hi! Yes, see, hi folks. What I do at the beginning of every year is I let my co-hosts out of their cage um, to fight for the honour of being my co-host. Michael's already lost, so he's back and you won't be hearing from him, but now it's down to Adam and Arza. (laughs) (laughs) You never do seem to notice that I keep chewing through the bars of the cage and getting out. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but yes, it's... It's fine. Cages are just heavy backpacks. <laughs> For you, maybe. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah. today we are talking about one of my favourite subjects, Hypno. <laughs> Yay! Yes. It is, it is also a subject which uh, I will be learning about right along with the rest of you folks in the audience. Yes, Adam. And so does I... that mean you want to be interviewer this time? Yes, and and I, I have our our completely objective list of of self inflicted questions to <laughs> to ask here. <laughs> but uh, first, uh, I think Craig, did you want to say a word or two about uh, a different topic, Tumblr, before we sort of dig into the interview? Well, yeah, obviously at the time of recording, um, Tumblr has technically shut down all porn blogs you know their algorithm isn't exactly doing a great job surprise surprise um but obviously this has left people fleeing to new corners of the internet to try and find places to post porn and it's been interesting to see where people have been going so where have you noticed well really mastodon seems to have enjoyed quite a renaissance as a result of this. Uh, Those of you in the audience may have heard uh, Craig and myself mention Mastodon, and we often give our Mastodon credentials at the uh, end of the show, which, by the way, I've I've updated mine. We'll need to to change that going forward. But I've seen things like the kinky.business instance was something like somewhere between 500 to 700 users prior to Tumblr's announcement. And then after that, they flew up to over 2,000 users in less than a week. Mm-hmm. So nice. thousands and thousands. And people, I mean, the biggest one has been the humbler.social instance, which was set up especially for Tumblr refugees. And that is packed. Hmm. Uh, Bear.community has also done very, very well. It's gone from literally not existing to hundreds to I think they're well on course now to to have thousands of users on there and that's that's from like not existing before this whole incident mm-hmm. till after although it has been a bit of a case of be careful what you wish for because I always wished for more like kinky gay people on Mastodon and suddenly my timeline is just flooded with po- picture after picture after picture and I can't talk to people anymore well that's what oh, no. lists are for though that's that's why, you know, on my uh, after dark, if you will, uh, Mastodon instance, I create two lists. One is for all of the photo blogs and the other one is for the ones where people actually post about what they're doing day to day. And that way I can sort of rather than getting the whole unified timeline, sort of a, for those of you in the audience, that's like what Twitter does. 
you can imagine you can slice your Twitter timeline into multiple timelines and go, you know, these three people are on this list and these five people are on this other list so that I can keep their content apart and focus. And that really cuts down on the noise. Oh, yeah. Um, Twitter also seems to be the go-to place for a lot of people. Yep. Yep. Uh, I finally returned to it. Oh, yes, you've returned to the hell site. (laughs) It's a shame because it really lends itself to my friends who are perfectly civilized to each other in person being absolute dicks at one another online. But for whatever reason... It seems like that has died down for the moment and has just turned back into all the sex. So I'm not complaining. You know, it's it's just a personal preference. I can't imagine why in the United States I would find the content on Tumblr traumatic or difficult to choke down at the current time. Uh, but I can think of one right. big orange reason. So, you know, honestly, I I gave up a lot of major corporate social media channels just because they weren't kink friendly or they were doing surreptitious and sleazy stuff we've now got facebook banning adult posts that are not public they're actually poking around in people's stuff that's on restricted access and still banning based on it and twitter has got the world's worst moderation policies if you're a neo-nazi apparently you're golden but if you say something that someone might take marginal offense to in any other direction, they'll happily shut down your, your Twitter feed and make you, you know, justify your existence. I know I keep saying this, but I really miss the days when better than sex was exclusively for desserts. (laughs) (laughs) Now it seems Nazis are better than sex, just legitimately. And that's, uh, yeah, I don't think they're welcome next to chocolate cake. Yeah. No. And, a lot of these services know damn well that what they're really doing is penning their suicide note. Uh, what a lot of news outlets have not really focused on is that after Verizon, who is the parent company over Tumblr at this point through a chain mm-hmm. of acquisitions, and made this announcement, shortly after that, they wrote down $4 billion on Oath, which is the umbrella service that contains Tumblr as well. And that to me says right there, they know damn well what they're planning to do is just run it straight into the ground and be rid of it. So uh, I I wouldn't really say, you know, yeah, I don't really think it's a matter of they think Nazis are better than sex. I think it's a matter of they took an immediate action to sort of quell Apple's concerns. But I think their longer term strategy is why are we doing this? Yeah, I mean, I just think people are going to start shifting away from sort of centralized corporate social media. I mean, Facebook has been in the news a ton this year. They've literally had another scandal where this time it was revealed they were sharing with other apps information from Messenger. Now, Facebook have always said Messenger's been private and they can't read the actual messages, only metadata. And we now know that's a big load of bull. That. Yep. Like, yeah. It's that thing of how many times have you mentioned something in the conversation, suddenly all your ads are about it. Well, and also states, in, in terms of governments, not United States, um, are becoming increasingly and worryingly engaged in social media in a very negative fashion. Uh, they're trying to restrict, they're trying to censor, they want excessive levels of accountability that aren't sensible at all. 
and I think that's another reason why, you know, we're, we're cruising on toward, you know, the next decade of the 21st century, right? We're, we're cruising on, you know, to toward 2020. And I think the trend we're going to see over the next 10 years, and this is someone who works in technology, is that corporate social media is finally going to collapse under its own weight. You can only be summoned to Capitol Hill so many times before senators get tired of seeing your face. And we'll start to see more grassroots social media like Mastodon, where it's run by actual people. It's focused on communities and interests rather than trying to be the most popular person in the room. You know, it'll be decentralized so that if governments in one location start to crack down through federation and other techniques, people can just pivot elsewhere. I think it's really going to be how social media evolves in the future. And I think Mastodon is just the very first sort of blade of grass on that particular lawn. There are already people who are looking to replicate the Facebook experience through Federation and people like PixelFed who are trying to replicate the Tumblr experience verbatim. Although I think PixelFed has some some years and tears to go there. Yeah, PixelFed has some issues, but um, but like decentralization's sort of the upcoming thing on everything. It's like Firefox is um, on their roadmap. They are, will support decentralized websites now. Oh, impressive! But you know what I'll miss from Tumblr? <coughs> Having one of my porn posts reblogged with. No escape, no free will. Uh, uh. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. ironically, what I will miss the most is, I mean, it's like everything else. You know, one thing leads to another. Now that there's been this, you know, war on pornography and female presenting nipples and what other nonsense they wanted to word <laughs> in there. It's also been a detriment to G and PG rated blogs. I used to go through a lot of material on Tumblr that was basically classic RPG science fiction and fantasy art. And, and you better believe those wellsprings are drying up too because any and all of those pictures can now be auto flagged as being questionable content when it's in fact like a harmless picture mm -hmm. of a dude fighting a dragon or whatever. Does it have too many of the flesh colors? Like sand yeah, does the do dragons have nipples as reptiles? And if so, do they present as male, female, or something else? Oh, it's don't, nonsense. don't, don't, don't. We, we, furries will be able to answer that. <laughs> so I will, technically... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll steer us off those rocks right now. It was, that was rhetorical, folks. But, uh, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, we just want to say here at, at the podcast... If you're looking for a new place to hang your hat and also interact with us and others, uh, feel free to come find us. Uh, I have sort of picked up and moved off of kinky.business to bear.community just because it's a little bit more focused on uh, gay men as opposed to a broad cross-section of the kink community. But, you know, kinky.business, uh, bear.community – even some on mastodon.social. These are all great instances mm -hmm. to go and sign up. I'm quite happy at home on rubber.social, which isn't just for rubber. It's most types of gear on there, like game, specifically gay men, fetish sort of gear. That's a good instance to go to. And keep and... in mind, whichever one you choose, they all federate. So you'll still be able to interact with people on other instances. 
And I desperately need to join in because this is something I started doing and then exams happened. Yes, the exams will do that. Right. So shall we get on to the fun stuff? Hypno. Yes. Yes. Yes, we shall. So uh, I will, uh, I guess I'll, I'll be the, the question leader here. Uh, let's start off with a very basic okay. definition. What is hypnosis in the context we're discussing here? Now you're asking the hard questions. Want... <laughs> <laughs> so, just like the meaning ahead, of life, it's hard to de- define. Well, because it happens all in consciousness, <clears throat> people don't really understand the brain that well yet, like at all. And hypnosis is one so... of those weird states that they have some theories to explain, but it doesn't quite fit in any one box. Well, I mean, I, I think we can go with some basic dictionary-type definitions. Yeah, if I mean, you want a broad stroke, it's just an altered state of consciousness where you are more suggestible. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's so broad as to be completely useless, Yeah, but it also gives you an answer, I guess. Well, it also sets up uh, some room for definition by negation, which sort of leads us into our next questions. So if hypnosis is placing people into a suggestible state, what sort of suggestions can you make and what types of suggestions can you not make? Like, for example, I've always heard and and read that one of the core uh, ideas in hypnosis is you cannot give someone a suggestion that they would consciously reject out of survival or uh, sort of ethical, um, you know, if it disagreed with either of those concepts for them. For example, you can't hypnotize someone and say, walk off a cliff because there is a survival imperative that you're sort of impinging on there that the mind rejects. Or, you know, I want you to go out and like stab your boss that goes against certain ethical limits that people have, and ergo that suggestion would likely be rejected by the mind. Is is that Pretty accurate? Much. Yeah, that's quite yeah. accurate. Despite what like Gotham shows on, I think it was season four with the Mad Hatter, you can't hypnotize people into killing or committing suicide or anything like that, or emptying their bank account. It's obviously... Generally speaking, if you've got a big mental barrier towards something then you won't overcome it it's only able to help you overcome like little mental barriers like oh but that would be slightly embarrassing to cluck like a chicken on this stage yeah yeah i know someone whose dom has been slowly condition conditioning him to woof in certain contexts oh that can be fun but yeah and the other thing to remember is uh the trance state hypnosis requires um basically needs the subject to be relaxed and feel safe. So any suggestion which makes a, makes a subject feel unsafe um, obviously will bring them back out of trance. Now, this isn't to say it's perfectly safe. There are ways to manipulate people, and we will get into that in the safety discussion. Um, but generally speaking, you can't be made to do anything highly unethical or dangerous. Yeah, self-destructive. Yeah, exactly. So, so moving forward, it's it's always been my understanding from the materials I've read and some of the dabbling I've done, which is nowhere near the level of experience you two have, 
that you need some type of focus or stimulus to start placing people into that suggestible state. Um, whether that's a uh, physical focus, like the stereotypical swinging watch or crystal or uh, a visual focus, like a lot of people I know who are into hypno often talk about using spirals, like animations of, of spirals. Um, or uh, this is something I have played with personally, and I'm still kind of figuring it out because apparently it can can pack more of a wallop than you imagine is virtual reality options. Uh, sort of like your basic Oculus type headset. Um, and I might be able to speak to a little bit of what I've done with that. What can we discuss about about that? What sorts of, of focuses do the two of you use? Well, I mean, I think before that, it's worth saying for giving a focus isn't the only type of induction you can do. Uh, the three big ones is a focus induction, which, as you said, is where you put all your focus onto one object and basically the long and the short of it, that is to bore someone into a trance state where there's no stimulation, just that one piece of information just constantly going back and forth. You eventually just slip down out of boredom. There is also the confusion induction. This is where you basically overload the brain into sort of a trance state. It's a lot harder to do, but it can be quite effective. The, my favorite one of that is basically where the hypnotist tells the subject to uh, rotate their arms and then switch directions. And they keep doing that faster and faster, more and more, until they tell them to stop, at which point you drop down out of the suddenness. And the last one is a um, shock induction. You see this a lot being done a lot with um, street hypnotists, like where they're shaking the hand and then they suddenly tell someone to sleep and put their hand on the back of the head. And that's basically, again, shocking them under. So that that last one, shocking people under, that's that sounds very abrupt compared to the other two. How difficult is it to attain that? Um, oh, that takes a lot of practice and you need to know your stuff well. Otherwise, you're just going to get a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not always pleasant if you don't do it right. And for most people... I'd also say for a lot of people, just the focus induction, because it's seen as sort of the classic one you see in media, is also what carry, carries the fetish elements for people. Because you have to remember, this isn't just about actual hypnosis. A lot of this is about the fantasy of hypnosis. And yeah, I mean, you... the subject is very willing, usually, in these contexts, too. But then you've also got weird stuff, uh, because the brain is so strange. Um, if you have been conditioned by TV and movies and stuff to expect something to happen, it'll happen a lot easier with hypnosis, which is why the swinging watch, the crystal, the spiral, all of that stuff, it works so well, not necessarily for anything specific to watches or the shape of a spiral as opposed to any other shape. It's just because you see those and you expect oh this is what puts people into hypnosis yeah. okay i'll go into hypnosis like subconsciously you just follow along with expectations um, societal preconditioning really yeah, there's a great yeah. anecdote kind of like the placebo yeah hypnosis to some degree is basically the placebo effect turned up to 11 and there's a great mm. anecdote i'm a hypnotist i've worked with gave me which was about this was a woman in hypnotherapy not 
for fetishy kinky sort of stuff she just would not go under no matter what induction he tried she just wouldn't go under so one session he asked her well what do you expect out of hypnosis and she said well it's silly but i always imagine like a vaudevillian villain and so the next (laughs) session he bought a costume like cheap costume spirit of halloween top hat and cape and put her under and it worked like that that's actually really kind of brilliant um I wouldn't have thought of going to spirit at Halloween season and, and dressing up like an old timey Victorian villain, but hey, it's his the season. But that's what she was <laughs> Whatever expecting. Works. It, 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 and I, I do get that sort of societal preconditioning idea too. I mean, it works better if that's how people expect it's going to work and have already sort of in their mind sort of thought about that whole experience over and over again as being like that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, Swinging Watches and Spirals are the classics. There's actually a great site called... It's hard to pronounce. Niminja? Um, oh, God. Yeah, I never learned how you're supposed to pronounce that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's literally where you can make your own spirals. And all the Hypnosis Forum guys use it to make custom spirals. Hold well, on. I've just brought it up. It's hypno.nimja dot com so ninja and again gesundheit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but well that it's been quite interesting with that because i've had a friend sort of we've just run mild experiments where it's like so does this spiral make you feel more relaxed or this one and it's sort of like tight swirls or large swirls or fast spirals or slow spirals and i do find it makes a difference well, for the the one uh, big virtual reality session I tried, um, I first thing I did was I used some AV skills and I edited together a porn film that touched on a lot of the things that I knew the subject was into, uh, sort of rubber drones and brainwashing, that sort of thing. And awesome. then using the, the magic of, of Apple's iMovie, I layered a spiral onto it and changed the opacity so that you could still see the porno clearly, but also with sort of a spiral design in the background constantly moving toward you. And then part three was I also layered on some audio tracks, um, you know, instead of the usual sort of um, – porno soundtrack where in this case i don't even think they had background music on the video i put in something you know sort of relaxing with the occasional like word in there and Mm. it seemed to be working well but this is the scene i've also mentioned where i ran into something i had never encountered before this is why i backed off on the the vr is because for the first time in my decades in bdsm someone passed out on me um, which is, a, if you've never had that happen to you in a scene and you're a dom, that is panic time mm-hmm. because the first thing you want to do is make sure the bottom's okay. And he was, and I got him down, but I really couldn't tell. Was it because I had him in suspension and I had him on VR? Was that too overwhelming, especially with earbuds in? So he could only hear and see the VR and was not in contact with the floor. We're still figuring that out. I think. I think in this case, the VR may not have been the culprit. We kind of noted that he was wearing a full body rubber cat suit at the time, and that might have provided a lot of compression 
especially mm. with him in suspension. But uh, it's it's something I'm going to approach very carefully because it is a very powerful thing to sort of try and use these techniques and override multiple senses simultaneously, like sight and sound, and then you take them off the ground so they lose some of their, you know, touch, mm -hmm. that sort of a thing. I mean, one of the big thing problems they've always had with VR is the inner ear problem. Because <clears throat> what your senses are telling you is not what your inner ear tells you. It can cause a lot of problems with your balance, brain, consciousness. Well, fortunately in this case, I, I didn't have the field of view pivot because that's something I took a, into account a bit. So it was more like having a movie screen strapped to your face. Um, as he looked around, the, it's not like I could get the porno to pan. If, if I could do that, I would totally be able to quit my day job and retire wealthy. But... <laughs> um, I definitely see what you're saying, though, because there is that whole what what you are seeing not only goes against what you're feeling in terms of your equilibrium. But uh, in this case, I was using the Oculus Go headset. Um, it can be quite difficult under non BDSM circumstances to have that headset on for long because your eyes also strain. Mm -hmm. it, it's. It, it's a lot of strain. I am one of those people who can't wear the headset long without a headache. So it's it's also a factor in there, too. Yeah. It's like my setup for VR is I've basically got one of the Google Android headsets where you basically plug any phone in and it refocuses. And I use an app called The Mind Melting Machine. And yes, it is made specifically <laughs> for Kingsters. That's awesome. I was going to say that or Mars Attacks, mm -hmm. something like that. And you can make your own sessions with your own spirals and audio. And I basically use it laying on the bed and I've been fine. But do be warned if you're going to do this, invest in a comfortable headset. Because obviously you're going to be wearing it for a long while. It's a weight on your face. And feeling very uncomfortable is a good way to stop you from going into trance. Yeah, it can it can cause some neck strain on the heavier units. Um, the Go is pretty light because it's designed to communicate with a phone uh, via Bluetooth versus some of the other VR options that require physical cabling. Um, so I would I would say definitely keep in mind the weight of the headset. You don't want to give someone neck strain if they're constantly trying to like keep their head balanced. It can bring them out of stuff too. Mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, let's move on to uh, how uh, hypnosis can be used in the short term. Uh, let's start with triggers. Oh, triggers can be so fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's that sense of... Um, for me, what really turns me on about this is having a sense of being out of control of my own body. So, obviously, if a dom says whenever I, I don't know snap my fingers you will slap your face that can be quite interesting <laughs> okay <laughs> okay i've gone in different directions with this but keep going no 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 i mean it can be mean and it can be pleasant and it can be a bit of both um so to give a little candid experience uh my boyfriend was actually given a few triggers to use on me when we lived long distance apart hmm. um one of them was to make me feel like i was getting a blowjob and one was yep. to make me feel like I was being tickled. Yep. <laughs> can you imagine which one he chose to use more of? I can oh. imagine. 
Oh yeah, I'm, I was actually going <laughs> to. It's actually going to ask: Did he cross the streams? Did he ever try to do both at once? Yes, yes, that was confusing. <laughs> As I would imagine. But yeah, uh, how so, about? Oh, I'll let you go on. So triggers can be used in a couple different ways, depending on what sort of scene you're going for, what the sub responds well to, that sort of thing. Uh, you can either do it with sensory stuff like blowjobs, tickling, feeling like you're getting fucked, um, or just turning sensations up and down, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. I had that one once. Like, yes. at one point it felt like I was just wearing my motorbike armor, uh, and I could just feel this hand like sort of through something. And then the rest of the time, my whole body was just so freaking sensitive. It felt amazing mm-hmm. um other ones you can do are things more like just commands if that makes sense so an example from my past was one where say a word and i just my voice just stops working i can keep mouthing the words fine and i didn't even realize it was happening so i did just keep making the making faces as if I was still talking, but no sound came out. Mm-hmm. Huh. Which is kind of interesting when you're in public and someone basically hits your mute button and then makes it feel as if you're getting fucked. And you just sort of they grab onto the nearest solid object and you're yelling out in pleasure, but no one else can see. Oh yeah, it, huh. it, playing about with sensation is amazing like that and again there's a mischievousness to it because you can do it in public you can trigger any time and the sub doesn't always know what's going on um one of my favorite sessions of all time was with a couple who are both into it amazing guys and they turned up my sense of smell to like 11 12 if you think of a scale and that was a incredible because they linked, because I already like have a thing about scent and smell linked to my libido. They just enhanced that. But it was also, I was able to pick up on things I never thought I would be able to pick up on. <clears throat> like yeah. the fact that there is a particular smell that is America. As okay. the American in the room, I am now, I'll be like, okay. And, no, and... No, it, it, and I didn't realize it until that night when they made when i was smelling this guy who's american and i realized underneath the various layers of scent there's something a smell that pervades places in america and i think it's something to do with the food i I can't explain it i I was actually going to say is it the smell of deep fryer grease because that's the one i most often associate with food around these parts like but yeah it it's so hard to describe, but yeah, my sense of smell was... I never realized I could have that sensitive a sense of smell. Hmm. And again, That's awesome. Like, you can turn up sensations, so people just running their fingers over you can feel insanely intense. It's And it's it's worth noting at this point that, obviously, none of this changes your, your basic sensory apparatus in your body. Your nose remains your nose. Your skin remains your skin with all the nerves. It's just your perception of those sensations that you're adjusting. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. It's like how uh, marijuana for pain relief. Marijuana doesn't actually relieve or stop pain. What it does is relaxes people. 
so the pain stops bothering mm-hmm. them. Uh, this works basically by the same mechanism. It's your fo- again. If you focus more on something, the sensation becomes more intense. Well, yes and no. Uh, speaking as someone who's in one of the uh, pot legal states in the United States and who has, uh, well, federal laws weird around here, I can neither confirm nor deny that I have tried these products. But academically speaking, if one had a injury that required seeing a chiropractor for well over a year, one might have learned that the difference between THC and CBD is that THC is the psychoactive part of marijuana. That's the stuff that gets you high. And CBD is the stuff that basically relieves swelling, inflammation, um, can help with nausea in the case of, you know, cancer treatments and so on. So there are really two different chemicals at work here, and you can actually subdivide those into different types of CBD and THC, but let's not go crazy. And the great irony is, in order for THC to work, there needs to be a little bit of CBD present at a minimum. And in order for CBDs to work, there has to be a little bit of THC present at a minimum. So mm-hmm. in all the stores here, they will definitely show you on the label the difference between the THC and CBD content on stuff. In fact, in some cases, they keep the CB, CBD stuff in a completely different part of the store because they don't want someone accidentally buying that and going, well, why am I not getting high? But gee, my shoulder feels great. That's because the <laughs> CBD is actually the stuff that's like relieving the pain and inflammation. And hypothetically speaking, if someone had been seeing a chiropractor and also using CBD products, uh, hypothetically, one might say that they work really freaking well. It's it's well beyond psychosomatic. You can actually you can actually document. Wow. All of this stuff. Interesting. Yeah, they they also deliver it in so many different forms out here. It'll make your head spin. For CBDs, they have creams, they have candies, they have extracts that you can add directly to food. Obviously, they have vape cartridges. They have uh, plants that have been grown specifically for their higher CBD content. And then for THC, it's it's much the same way. Um, there are all kinds of. Uh, Interesting delivery methods people have. Everything from like hard candies to chocolates to you name it. Mm-hmm. So that's not so much psychosomatic as that one is actually via biological mechanisms. Oh wow! Think of it like really good aspirin. <laughs> cool. Although there is one thing I want to ask Adam about. I always find this interesting talking to other people who do hypnosis play. What do triggers feel like to you? I'm not sure I understand the question. Um, what I mean is, when someone has put a trigger and they use it on you, how does it manifest in your brain? For example, for me, a lot of them feel like, well, biting my nails. In the sense that I have a compulsion to bite my nails, and if I focus on it, I can resist, but I still feel the urge. And obviously with hypnosis uh, and deepening, it gets a lot stronger, but it's that same sort of feel of biting my nails when I'm stressed. Right. I can see what you mean there. Uh, so with me, it really does. It feels like I'm already in subspace. Mm-hmm. And my dom has just told me to do something. It feels like this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I should do it now. And I can, if I clear my mind and like breathe and focus, I can ignore it and I can stop it. But at the same time, like I don't want to. That's the fun of it. Yeah. And just like that's the fun of it in 
you know, in subspace and obeying. Mm-hmm. It, that's the fun of it when I get the trigger. And my brain is just sort of telling me, yeah, I could. Why would I want to? Yeah, I, yeah, that pretty much fits with my experience as well. Um... So it's it's another one of those things where you have to be receptive to the suggestion. In other words, your brain has that moment where it goes, do I accept or reject this? And you have to yeah. be willing to accept. Yeah, I mean, yes. one thing about hypnosis is you're less critical of the suggestions you're given. That's what I find for myself anyway. And it is sort of goes through less critical thought and examination. Mm, Definitely. So I'm definitely more willing to accept something as soon as I'm told it. Gotcha. So, I mean, I guess we've kind of uh, gone over triggers and perception changes. What about unique subspaces and bringing out personality aspects? Well, there are some perception changes things which I think about, which is hallucinations in the sense of how people can perceive. Generally speaking, visual hallucinations are very hard to do. They tend Mm. to be capable by subjects with a lot more imagination. I've very rarely if next to never had a visual hallucination i've had sensory hallucinations taste smell touch but never visual Mm. so are some senses harder to sort of uh rewire for lack of a better term than others i'd say sight is probably the hardest to rewire the more you focus on something the harder it is to play around with it so so much of our brain is focused on sight that it's very difficult to make yourself see something but because with like smells and with touch you can sort of trick yourself anyway it's easier for your brain to conjure something if that makes sense yeah and with me it's a lot easier if it's a sense or touch or smell i can recall from memory Mm. It sort of recalls the memory back into the present, if that makes any sort of sense. Whereas the, the more fodder you have, the easier it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Cool. So, yeah, unique subspaces and bringing out personality aspects. So I, I assume that when we, we talk about this, um, personality aspects and subspaces, we're talking about changes that are behavioral or emotional uh, is that what we're talking about here or is there something more to it uh to a gr- to a degree yeah it it's kind of hard to talk about obviously language of um individual mental experiences is quite limited um but hypnosis can be used to sort of make a unique headspace where certain parts of your personality are enhanced or dampened. Um, To give an example, um, one hypnotist I have played with, um, there was a subspace which I basically refer to as the sycophant. In the sense that one of the things I have with people I um, feel submissive towards or like a lot is I get very hero worshipy. <laughs> and again, this guy basically put that into sort of the primary focus in my mind. And so whenever whenever he would trigger me into it and bring me into that subspace, I would become intensely sycophantic and brown nosy and fanboyish towards him god that's awesome mm-hmm. oh it was very fun 
Man, I I I can see this is the short route to being adored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, uh, oh, I'll let you go on. Oh no, please go on. I was going to say, so in terms of bringing out personality aspects and and subspaces, what about aggression or submissiveness or some of these other personality traits that people might want to sort of experiment with? Again, definitely, but it always depends on how big your mental block is between what you're being asked to do and actually doing it. Um, So, for example, with me i've experimented around with aggression in like trying to be more uh dominant more aggressive more primal in play Mm -hmm. and it's absolutely fine right up until i see that flicker of no this has stopped being fun in the sub and even though there was no like contingency for that put in with the hypnosis my brain just instantly swapped and went, oh, God, are you okay? So uh, an automatic cutoff, so to speak. Yeah. There was a big mental block around it. So my body just naturally rejected the idea of, no, do not hurt this person. Like, it became the difference between, yeah, it was still fun, and nope, this has stopped being fun. Time to do something else. Mm Mm-hmm. It's all right. It's like um, with the sycophant headspace. It was sort of quite powerful because, again, that element's always there. I've always been a bit of an ego feeder, um, and it's sort of giving me permission to fully indulge that. But it also dampens everything else in my head. If that makes sense, and, I can see that. Yeah, and. Over time, with your working, you can create some fairly unique and individual tailored headspaces that are a bit more complex. Um, I know someone who has a headspace where he gets turned into a teenage gorilla. Interesting. Hmm. I've not heard that one before. It's very interesting. And his main traits when he gets that is it enhances his aggression but also his libido and desire to show hmm. off. Uh. Um, I mean, lots of people go with drones. That's a yep. very common fantasy yep. to get into a drone headspace. And like you can construct one where you basically think in terms of computer programming and input and output and your brain as software. Yep, I've heard that one before. Mm-hmm. D- dampen some of the emotional response and increase some of the sexual and sensual response. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. It's you can make people. I've had people who want to be more chivalrous. A very, very popular one is the jock. You know, they yep. want to enjoy the gym and enjoy quote unquote mask stuff and enjoy sports. That sort of stereotypical stuff. And it's yep, yeah. I've heard that one too. Yeah. That's a very common one in sort of the hypno communities. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to how we've just been talking about how we can use this short term. What are some of the long term applications of hypnosis, like uh, reinforcing goals or perceptions uh, over the long haul as opposed to for an immediate scene? 
So for that, you have to go past hypnosis and into conditioning. You've got to be so one of the more common things with hypnosis is to have an audio file to listen to that will you don't have the spiral. You don't have the visual stimulus. You just sort of have to sit back and close your eyes and relax into it. But um, that will take you into trance and give you your suggestions and blah, blah, blah. And if you do that every day for long enough, the messages really do sink in very deep and you can see long-term goals change. So you so will have heard of like hypnotherapy to help you quit smoking, for example. Um, you can do that with all sorts of other things as well. Mm -hmm. I just so is this sort of the stereotypical tape recorder under the pillow while you sleep type of a deal? Uh, yes, but not while you're sleeping because you don't listen while you're asleep. Yeah, yeah, I uh, can tell you from I can tell you from the amount of times that I have fallen asleep to dull droning lectures that I don't remember any of the stuff they were droning on about afterwards. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, it should be said with giving the example of like giving smoke giving up smoking don't try and use this as therapy or to get over any serious long-term problems unless you're working with a professional mm. that that should be stated as safety don't muck about with anything in your head long term unless it's with a trained professional but that, yeah yes yeah, I mean, a lot of it, what it is, is just keeping your goal at the forefront of your mind. Again, a lot of people use it to go to the gym regularly, and it can just be good as constantly being reminded, you, this is your goal, you want to achieve your goal, um, go do it. Just day after day, every day being reminded, sort of like how people will have a mantra for themselves in the morning. Yeah, the self-help type of thing, where you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> or is Where that more is that sort of from? That's actually from uh, Saturday Night Live, a character called Stuart Smalley, who would constantly sit in front of a mirror and do daily affirmations. Okay. Okay. And that really dates me pretty squarely to a large portion of the American audience right now, where they're like, oh, 80s kid, huh? But um, <laughs> I just keep no, thinking uh, of the scene from, I think it's American Beauty, where the wife's a real estate agent. And whenever she's preparing a home, she's just constantly reciting to herself, I'm going to sell this house today. Yeah, that that was a hallmark of and still is a hallmark of the American self-help industry, which is a surprisingly uh, large uh, segment, uh, really. Everyone's all about self-improvement, yet their selves rarely seem to improve. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But speak, speaking of, of some of the ways that, you know, this sort of, you know, long-term reinforcement can help, what about changing sort of your mood, your mindset, or what you focus on in your life? Sort of, a, you know, general well-being or perspective shift. Well, Is it useful for that? Well, yeah, as basically it helps to an extent. Yeah. They, after a while, reality does sort of catch up to you. And if you are genuinely in a really bad place in your life, and there's only so much a positive outlook can do before something, you know, before you have to just accept, no, this, I can't just focus on the positives of this. I actually need to change it. Yeah. It's like, 
as with depression, CBT, the therapy, not the kink stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy, yes, for those of you who don't live with a psychologist. It is basically changing your internal monologue from negative statements to positive ones. It's like people with mental health issues, I myself am among them, often have yep. destructive mental thought processes where you go, oh my god, I'm so rubbish. Obviously, I'm annoying my friends. They're hanging out with me out of pity. This is the worst thing ever. I burnt dinner. Yeah. Now I'm worthless. And CBT is yeah. basically where you have to basically start challenging yourself on that and changing your internal narrative to say, no, I'm good. No, this is only a small mistake. It doesn't matter. And like, it can be a long road with that because it takes basically constant vigilance against yourself. And it does improve <clears throat> things. So long as your depression isn't based on or being generated biology. by biology. Yeah. Or by a bad situation. Like, you know, if you're struggling with, um, I don't know, bills or bereavement or um, out of a job, CBT won't take you so far. You actually need to get out of that situation before you can start getting better. Yeah, I've actually... Uh, been listening to very recently the audiobook version of uh, a very popular self-help book around America, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm -hmm. And it, it does touch <laughs> okay, on a lot of awesome. these it's it's a good book. I recommend it. It's and it it really does focus on a lot of the whole, you know, if you're an asshole, maybe you need to go and take a good long look at yourself and figure out why you're an asshole. And there are no shortcuts to that. And I think that kind mm -hmm. of ties into what we're we're discussing here is you can only shift people so much with a suggestion. There's a lot of stuff that's active work people have to do on themselves to shift their mindset where they want it to be. Yeah. Yes. It's like something I'd like to try is I want to be given a whole new fetish. I want a dot hypno dom to come and s over time train me to be turned on by something I previously was not turned on by. I've yet to meet anyone who was able to achieve that. Like That does sound yeah. interesting. Yeah. But I don't sure it would actually be possible because I think you need something there already to sort of grow. You can't make it <clears> out of whole cloth. There needs to be a motivator, yeah. something that's intrinsic to their personality. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Well, now that we've gone over all of these, you know, great ways this can be applied... Let's, you know, just take a pause here and talk about all the ways it shouldn't be used and all of the things to watch out for. So what are the dangers of hypnosis? I, I would imagine manipulation and abuse are somewhere in there. But not just that. Uh, you mentioned before that the brain is complicated. And one of my favorite quotes about that is, if the brain was so simple, we could understand it. We would be so simple that we couldn't. Um, so you can have some very unexpected consequences, even from perfectly well-meaning and well-negotiated and everyone mm -hmm. consenting stuff. I So one of the people who I tried hypnosis a while back with did a lot of drone stuff. And for whatever reason, it started superseding the um, my pup side for a while, which I did not expect he did not expect and it took a while to kind of fix because 
no, uh, my puppy side is pretty integral to a lot of my personality, and I quite like it, please. So in, in a sense, you were trying to layer two identities that were conflicting in that case. Pretty much. When people would say hi to me using my pup name, it would feel wrong. Like, no, that's not who I am. And no, I didn't want that was not something either of us wanted from this situation. And so we had to go about like undoing things and putting in new contingencies and blah, blah, blah. And you've got to be careful and you've got to be vigilant and you've got to be good at communicating when stuff is going wrong. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that it's valuable for the hypnotist to document what it is they're doing in the event they need to walk some of it back. Oh, yeah. yes. And, Definitely. And the other thing is, watch your language. I mean, I know a lot of some of the best hypnotists I use uh, will never use a "you will" statement. They will use "if you feel comfortable" constantly, a sort of like a reinforcement, mm. and always say, "and you can leave this at any time." Just putting in those things. Um, there's also remember the mind and subconscious subconscious work by association. To give an example, some hypnotists will use the idea of going down deeper into water as a deepening cycle when you're taking someone under. If someone's had a horrible experience like drowning, this probably will produce a very adverse reaction in someone. Um, yep. And it can be hard because you don't always know the particulars of what will set someone off. So again, it, it is always best to go and stick with um, if you feel comfortable and if this keeps you relaxed and if you want and at your own pace, just sort of constantly reinforcing it is the person's choice. Because mm. right. I'm going to spoil hypnosis for people here. The spoiler for it is all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. All hypnotists are are basically conning you into believing they're doing the work. <laughs> Every, but no, yeah. everything you do is you putting yourself into that state. Yeah, it's not that the human mind is like a computer that you plug a cable into and rewrite. The person who's doing the actual adjustment is the subject. Mm -hmm. And the person who's the hypnotist is really just suggesting things that the person may or may not receive and act upon mm. talking about safety and what doms should do there is a very bad habit i've noticed among hypnodoms and i'm glad it's starting to be talked about a bit which is asking for consent to things once someone is under uh. this is terrible practice just as it's terrible practice to ask for consent in the middle of a scene the subconscious mind does not deal well with long-term needs it deals with very primal, short-term needs. Mm. Um, obviously, this can cause conflict. And someone cannot give full consent if they're only talking more of their subconscious mind. To give an yes. example, a friend of mine likes bears. And he wants to be a bear. Um, but he also has a family with a very big history of weight-related illness and diabetes. So, if asked consciously... Do you mind if I put in a suggestion that you want to be more bearish and will, I don't know, eat more and grow out your beard? In full consciousness, he will say no, because the long-term effects will be this, this, and this. His subconscious will just immediately go, oh yeah, I definitely want that. Want, 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 want. Primal desire, want that definitely. Um, I can see that. Yeah. 
and it is a bad bad habit a lot of hypnotists do where they ask while someone's under not maliciously just they haven't realized the subconscious isn't all powerful and all-knowing it is one component of your brain that does very specific tasks well, it's the id, mostly. I mean, it, this is why, you know, in the, in the typical Freudian model, we have the id, the ego, and the superego. The, the id is the part that wants to get down and dirty and have a good time. The ego is the part that actually makes the judgment call about whether that's constructive based on a lot of what's in the superego, your ethics, your, you know, reason, things you've learned, uh, societal norms, that sort of thing. So... If you take the ego out of the equation and go straight to the id, of course your id is going to be like, of course I want to do that. I'm a horn dog. Yep. So, yeah, we need to talk about the deliberate upsets, which is manipulation, a.k.a. abuse. As we covered, obviously a hypnotist can't just order you to do something against your moral code or self-preservation. You know, you can't tell someone to send me $10,000 via PayPal before taxes. That won't work. Unfortunately, doms who um, abuse their subjects through hypnosis is kind of basically the same as regular old abuse. It's often a slow push. Yeah, we discussed in the last episode a lot of the ways people manipulate people in in sort of a negative long-term way for abusive purposes. And I imagine that in in many respects, being gaslit over time is a form of slow, insidious, you know, suggestion. Yeah, totally. Um, Pretty much. And often it won't be obvious stuff. It'll be stuff that seems innocuous at the time, but as it builds up, it gives them a greater level of manipulation. Mm. Yeah, so that's something to work out for and something you can do to protect yourself. Obviously, check out and be sure of the people you're playing with. Again, like regular abuse, um, trust your gut. If something see, if some suggestions seem a bit off afterwards and you can't put your finger on, follow that feeling. Don't bury it. Follow it to its conclusion. Say, I'm not comfortable, even if I don't know why. Just go with it. The other thing, yeah. The other thing, be very clear in your own head of your limits. Um, what I mean by this is it can help where it's much harder to push limits and manipulate them if you've got a very clear idea of where they cut off. This is actually quite hard to describe. I'm struggling here. So one of the... So you do need to say, I will never do blank. And have that written down, have that as your mantra, have that however. But have very firm limits Mm -hmm. so that if someone is slowly subtly pushing you towards it making it seem okay doing something that's one tenth of the way there and you can see them edging towards it you still know this is my limit i will go this far and no further and keep hold of that and you know tell them up front so that it gives you permission in your own head to say, no, I said this when we first started, I would never do this. Yeah. And it's probably good to keep that written down somewhere where you can see it regularly or, or mm. documented in some fashion where it can remind you periodically. Because you are playing with your own head. So yeah. it's easy to, you know, it's easy Forget. to lose yourself. Yeah. 
And the other thing is, even when it's dangerous, it can still, I mean, let's be honest, especially if you have sort of a hypnosis or mind control fetish, there can be an excitement in that. And it can get a bit emotionally, there can be a bit of emotional turmoil in that. Mm. But it's just important to remember you have your limits for a reason. And again, something I do is there's actually a few files out there for basically safety saying I can essentially, I can undo this at any time or I have a reset button in my brain. Basically that keeps you in control and Mm. you can always reset your brain. And you can find a few of them about if you go to the regular hypnosis sites, which can be very handy. And I suggest people... As a precaution, like using a condom, just listen to once in a while. They are useful. Mm -hmm. Having some sort of emergency backup is a very good idea. And again, just saying to yourself, remembering all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So it is what I choose to happen and allow. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's basically dealing with the boogeyman or Freddy Krueger or that. It's saying, I no longer give you power over me. What's that? David Bowie. What? Labyrinth. She defeats him at the end by saying, you no longer have power over me. I reject you. (laughs) I thought David Bowie was a boogeyman somehow. I got very confused. It depends on who you talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess... um, how do we want to sort of, you know, wrap things up? Did we want to talk about um, some of the fantasies that the two of you have, have done? I think we kind of covered that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's worth saying that the reality of hypnosis and sort of what people often fetishize are actually two very different things. And I, I'll also say this as, as a long-term fan of horror and science fiction – a lot of what people see on TV and, and go, oh, that's that's hypnotism is the fantasy of mesmerism, which is different. Mesmerism is kind of the idea that you can, you know, through sheer force of will override someone else's personality. And that is uh, quite frankly, right up there with with ESP and other stuff. That's that was a very popular theme in a lot of older 40s and 50s horror films where you know the mesmerist would just sort of stare at someone and then the camera would zoom in on their eyes and there would be like a a faint glow around them yeah yeah real real hypnosis is not you know sort of the fakey mesmerism that that people are are familiar with from a lot of movies but that is often what people fetishize it's like they want the comic book mind control or swing watch you know vaudevillian villain or (laughs) well and you brought up the mad hatter from gotham and it's it's interesting to note that in the the comics and in the animated series the way he gets control of people is with a piece of technology that he puts into hats and puts on their heads to bypass their their brains and take control of their bodies you know a lot of this stuff is is definitely, you know, fantasy material for a lot of people like I'd put on the hat. But, <laughs> you know, the, the reality is is somewhat more mundane, and that's actually a good thing in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what I personally fantasize about, um, I would not want in real life. Um, and it's <clears throat> a very good thing people can't do it in real life. But, yeah, a lot of fantasies revolve around that sense of absolute control sort of mesmerism and mind control gives someone 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, these these are all fantasies, folks, of course, because there's there's nothing sexy about being, you know, a drone well into your 70s and not have achieved anything in your real personal life. You know, your life is meant to be lived. This is meant to be the fun extra frosting on the cake. And you have to keep your own real life goals in mind while you're working on your fantasy ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, but I find hypnosis fantasy falls into two categories. One is obviously the control aspect. And the other one is basically being able to change a person. Or and and I have some friends who also like it because they feel like they are generally anxious people, and that their anxiety gets in the way of them having a good time, and that this is a way to sort of give themselves permission, you know, through hypnosis, to set aside those reservations. Oh, totally. I yes, yes, you yes. get to let go when you go under, and that's it's very helpful. Yeah, it's um. And- so just a bit of TMI from me. I am on the autistic spectrum and obviously I suffer from increased anxiety from it, but also something called information overload, which is a primary feature of having or being on the spectrum. Hypnosis is basically the exact opposite of that, uh, where you basically get to let go, just focus on one source of information point and just relax and not worry. And it, I am very aware of how much my enjoyment of hypnosis is informed by the fact that I am autistic, if that makes sense. It, it does. And I mean, I, I think we all react in different ways to this. For example, I have OCD, which is at times been very, very, very difficult for me to cope with in my life. And years of cognitive behavioral therapy helped with that. But at the same time, I'm still a type A personality. Um, and I probably always will be. So I'm probably not the most suggestible because I'm always the person who feels like he has to be in control of stuff. And it's a lot better than it used to be. But at the same time, I'm not really sure I would still go that route. It's a very personal decision about how we sort of cope with these things. So, yeah, that can be a big part of the fancy. Again, it's okay for fancy to be fancy. And you know what? It's okay to role play this stuff. (laughs) I've met so many people that like it has to be genuine hypnosis. It's like, no, it is okay to role play being turned into a drone or a jock or a mindless, quote, mindless slave boy. It is okay to role play that stuff. In In some cases, it can be more fun because you can do stuff you can't do with hypnosis. Yeah, hypnosis is the cheapest scene dressing for your for your dungeon ever. Um, it's it's something that you bring <laughs> oh to the God. party yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's brilliant. Well, th- thank you. I'll have that on a T-shirt by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, how, how do we want to sort of wrap up here? Um, in, in short, there are a lot of applications for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing we can say. Um, always be cognizant of your limits. Um, but at the same time, uh, if this is something that interests you, don't be afraid to sort of participate in it and, and let go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also don't expect it to be a panacea. It's, it's, it is a technique. It's mm-hmm. a tool. It has a lot of applications, but 
you, you can't have someone suggest to you that everything's going to be fine in your life without you still taking real world action to do that. Yeah. It, mm. it, I mean, so much of this applies to like regular kink. It's that sort of don't expect a sir or daddy to run your life for you. Like that just doesn't happen or it doesn't work out. And nope. um, there was going to be one more thing I was going to mention. Oh, yes. Subs doing it for the first time. It is okay if you have trouble falling into trance. It actually takes practice. The best way I can recommend this is either doing with tapes or learning to meditate. But I know so many people that get really distressed because they won't go under easily. And it's it's been my understanding that while people are, are getting into that too, make sure you choose a distraction-free environment to do it too. If you're trying to do this at the kitchen table and someone's coming through every three minutes, chances are you're not going to get much better at it. If you can find a calm quiet sequestered part of the house your your chances of success are going to go up and don't expect your internal monologue to turn off that's a misconception a lot of people have and that's one of the reasons why they struggle with it is because they expect like the voice in their head to turn off no that's going to be there it doesn't no um so yeah stay safe it is okay to role play um always thoroughly check out people and wait until you trust them like i would really advise against like especially on a lot of the forums people say take me under first time or i want to hypnotize someone now anyone available don't do that build a relationship build trust learn about a person trust your gut because that's how horror movies start mm-hmm. folks that is how horror movies start yep yep yeah um i'm trying to think of where people can go to learn more there's obviously a great site called hypnosisforguys.com um there's a great website i go to called um gayspiralstories.com which has a lot of written uh, fiction. that one's fun yes yes so that's I a need good to one. go back there now what about books what about like straight up books on hypnosis are there any works you would recommend in that vein oh hold on i've got a good one if you want to learn how to do it as a top uh let me just Dig up the full title. Speaking as a dom, yes, I think that's a valuable resource. Here we are. So it's called Mind Play by Mark Wiseman. The first one is a guide to erotic hypnosis. And then the second one is the Mind Play Study Guide, which teaches it more as if you are using the book to teach a class. And I have just brought that up on Amazon. Uh, if someone wants to grab that in the United States on Kindle, that's about 10 bucks. Paperback, about twice that. So a good investment. Yes. So um, I think that's covered most things. Um, as always, if you have any questions or want us or haven't covered something you want to know about in this topic, please ask. We've got a Twitter at KinkyBoysPod. Or we've got a traditional email, which will be in the show notes. Um, yeah, anything, any last words from you guys? Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot. <laughs> Enjoy it, have fun, and post the stories. Yes, yes, yes. So if you wish to find me, you can find me on Mastodon, as previously mentioned, at bootblackcub, at rubber.social. And I have moved my shop over to bear.community. So I am now at Arzer, that's A-R-Z-H-U-R, at bear.community. 
And I will be the giant British puppy probably on rubber.social or bear.community, depending on when I get my act together. <laughs> cool. Hold them accountable, folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. I have been known to nag my friends over Mastodon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's a sentence that someone from the 40s will not be able to understand. There you go. <laughs> so, yes, um, it's been a pleasure having you both on. So until next time, folks, uh, good night and play safe.